Oh my God, y'all, welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter. You can also find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you'd prefer to just listen to my Nancy Ned bullshit. To kick off today's, this is the end of the trilogy. This is, this one is actually called Buried Secrets. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Buried in what sense, you ask? No, it's fine. Um, at the end of last week's episode, so at the end of False Moves, which is the one where Ned is entangled with a ballerina, as one does, um, Nancy and Ned had just reunited on stage at a ballet, because of course they had, and Ned was like, do you want to maybe go dancing later? And Nancy's like, that sounds fabulous. And you're like, please tell me y'all are going to bang. So this book, of course... <laughs> because again, it's meant for fucking eight-year-olds to read, um, does not pick up with them just post-bang, just laying in bed, enjoying some afterglow. Sadly, no. This book picks up with Nancy, Bess, and George at the mall. Of course, because it's the mid-80s. And what do we have but cocaine and malls? But anyway, so they're shopping, and Nancy's like, do y'all know what's weird? I say y'all like she ever does. She ain't, she ain't never gonna say y'all, Okay. Just just know that. Anyway, Nancy's like, do you know what's weird about today? And Bess is like, I don't know. I don't know what's weird. George is like, we've both spent more money than Bess has at the mall today. And Bess is like, do you know why that is? Because there ain't nobody here. And Bess and George, Nancy, Bess and George are like, no, there, there's people here. And Bess is like, mm, are there though? And Nancy's like, oh, you mean there's no cute guys here? And Bess is like, exactly. And George is like, it's a beautiful spring day. Of course, people are not just wasting their time in the mall. They're out jogging. And Bess is like, are you telling me I'm going to have to fucking start jogging? Oh, my God. And George is like, basically, yes. That's where all the hot guys are. One needs to jog to catch up with them. And Bess is like, then let's go buy me some shoes. Let's just get right on this. And you have to admire the fact that Bess is like, if you're going to give me some direction, I'm going to lean in. So they decide to head for the shoe store. And... Bess is like directing something back over her shoulder when she slams directly into Ned because of course she does and Ned's like oh I'm sorry and then he glances up and meets Nancy's eyes and he does not take his eyes off her for the rest of this scene um Nancy's staring back at him and she's like Bess was wrong there is one hot guy here at the mall and you're like damn straight um (laughs) Ned is looking at Nancy and Nancy's like because they're in this weird place At the end of the previous book, like, Ned has just very publicly been broken up with by Belinda, like, right there on stage in front of everybody in Chicago, and, like, then immediately asked Nancy out, because, of course, he did, but they're not really back together, and she says in the text that, like, they started dating other people, and Ned had even fallen in love with someone else, which I'm gonna call bullshit on, because Belinda was a self-absorbed asshole, we still don't know what the fuck was going on there other than she was a vehicle to another mystery. So just saying, I don't think y'all were in love. I just don't. Anyway, so Ned's like, fancy meeting you here. And Nancy's like, yeah. And Bess and George are like, oh, we're going to go look at shoes. So we'll catch up with you later if if you need a ride, which you're probably not good by. So Nancy and Ned go and get some pizza and decide to sit outside because Ned's like, I'm done with being outside for today. Let's just go outside and do some stuff. 
So they go outside, they're eating their pizza, they're just making small talk, like general small talk, because they're still at a place in the relationship where they're like, are we ready to really talk through some shit that we're going to need to do to, to get back together? Like, I don't know. But they're talking when, like, Ned's leaning in close to Nancy, and she's like, mm, and then all of a sudden this bus pulls into the parking lot and is like, come see Todd Harrington, and Nancy's like, what the, what the hell is going on? Like, I thought we were going to make out. And Ned's like, I didn't even know there were any Harringtons left. So, backstory, as the third person narrator provides for us at this point. Todd Harrington is the person on the bus, and he, the person who was announcing is like, come meet your next state representative, which I love that they're super vague about this, and it's, he's up for election, as a state representative, but it never says, like, and I've never fucking looked into how people are actually elected in Illinois. I'm sure that they have a state governing body, but anyway, um, he's running for office, but his grandfather, Maximilian, I think that's right, um, it doesn't fucking matter. That's the thing, y'all. It don't fucking matter. Um, his grandfather, Maximilian, came to River Heights and basically took over the town council. And he wanted to build like a political dynasty. So his son, John, is the one that he pinned all of his hopes on. And John was running for governor of Illinois. And he was doing really well in the polls. And then he was found on the cliffs outside his house dead. This was 30 years ago. Todd, his son, actually um, wasn't even born then. Um, his mom was pregnant with him, but he wasn't. He never met his father. Um, so Todd was basically like the last survivor of this quote-unquote dynasty that they had going on. But it's it's again, it's kind of like local politics because Max was just like in charge of the local town council, and John was running for governor of Illinois. After I, I guess he risen through the ranks pretty regularly. He apparently was pretty cute. Todd's pretty cute. I mean, not that Nancy fucking cares, but he is. Um, so Todd steps out and he's making like basically a campaign speech in front of them all. And Nancy and Ned are like, sure, um, we're, we're gonna go somewhere and maybe make out some. <laughs> so they're trying to get around this massive crowd that's gathered to listen to the speech when Nancy hears Brenda Carlton who you may remember from earlier in this series. She's the one who interrupted Nancy in the very first book of The Files, who was like, oh my God, are you undercover at a high school? And Nancy's like, I'm going to punch you until you fucking die. Like, Nancy ain't here for her shit. Brenda, I will remind you, is an investigative reporter only because her father owns the fucking newspaper. And so Brenda's like, I'm a reporter. And Nancy's like, you are nothing of the kind. You are terrible in all possible ways. Brenda has dark hair and always wears red lipstick and is like as close to being a blonde as one can be when one's hair is black. Um, she drives a sports car. She is constantly dressed very similarly to Bess in that she's like, I'm here to impress and I ain't here to run. So just know that. She's full of herself. She thinks that she's a better detective than Nancy is. So anyway, and Nancy's like, why don't you just kiss my entire ass? But anyway, so Brenda's there and she's like, Todd, are you going to reopen the investigation into your father's mysterious death? And Todd's like, I'm here to talk about the campaign. So, um, yeah. Anybody have any questions? And no one has any questions. And Brenda's like, come on, aren't you gonna, because that's, that's like a huge story. And Nancy's like, 
this is just so fucking awkward. I feel really bad for him because he doesn't deserve this. Like, he wasn't even fucking born. He never met his dad. But Brenda just keeps showing her ass. Her entire ass. And so Nancy and Ned are trying to get by so they can go somewhere and make out. And I'm like, yes. Yes to all this. No one needs this. Ned's like, I've had enough of politics for today. (laughs) It's been like two minutes. I love you, Ned. Um, Anyway... When Nancy glances over and she sees a flash in the crowd and she knows immediately that it's a gun because Nancy has that kind of radar. Like, you might be able to sense gay people, but Nancy can sense firearms. And she looks over and she sees that somebody's apparently aiming a gun at Todd and she doesn't have enough time to warn him. She just basically tackles his white ass and he falls down off the stage and, like, they're locked together and... She's like, oh my God. And everybody's running. It's really bad. There's a, um, they hear a gun go off like as she's tackling him. So she basically saves him from being shot. Um, Ned, of course, runs over and he's like, are you okay? The the cops went this way and, and the campaign people went this way so we can go search the parking lot. And so like they make sure that Todd's okay. And then they, they run off to see what they can find out. And no, no one knows what the fuck's going on. Nancy and Ned go through like 10 rows of cars and they're like, I don't know what's, I, I don't see anything. And Ned's like, there's no telling. And Nancy's like, yeah. So they go back. The cops are like, yeah, we've interviewed some people, but one of them says it was just a kid with a, a cat pistol. And Nancy's like, could it have been? And the cops are like, no, we pulled a 45 slug out of the side of the van. So we're thinking no on that. And Nancy's like, okay, cool. Um, Todd's like, oh my God, he saved my life. And Nancy's like, girl, it won't nothing. It's fine. I would have done that for anybody. Like, I'm all, I'm here to tackle people. That's what I'm here for, to make out with Ned and tackle people. Brenda's still standing there and she's like, but are you going to look into your dad's death? And Todd's like, oh my God, can you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> and Nancy's like, Brenda, someone just tried to assassinate him. And you're asking him if he's going to look into his dad's death. And Brenda's like, well, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Why else? And Nancy's like, Brenda, he was just nearly assassinated. Do you maybe want to go back to your newspaper with a really impressive current story? And Brenda's like, you don't tell me what to do as she's like jamming all the Olive Garden breadsticks into her purse at this point. So she runs off and Nancy's like, okay, cool. Um, Todd's like, oh my God, how can I ever repay you? And Nancy's like, we're fine. Like, seriously, I meant it when I said that I would tackle literally anyone to the ground just for no provocation at all. So this was just a bonus. And Todd's like, well, I need to get your address. And, um, this is when Brenda was like, this is Nancy Drew. And he's like, oh, okay. And Brenda's like, don't you know who she is? Because again, this is, this is definitely a game of, do you know who the fuck I am? My father invented toaster strudel. What are you even doing? But Todd's like, yeah, no, because Todd was actually raised by his maternal grandparents in another town. Like, he he hasn't really spent any time in River Heights. He's running for the district, so, like, River Heights is just a place. His family still owns the house that his dad um, died near, so there's that. It's like a huge mansion. And actually, when um, Ned recognizes that it's Todd Harrington, he's like, you remember that night that we went up for a walk in the moonlight at the Harrington house? And Nancy's like, do I? I remember that we saw a light coming through the trees, and I I thought it was a ghost, and I ran halfway down the road before. I remember that we had a car there. And Ned's like, yeah, that was some good times. And there's definitely some flirtation there where they're like, yeah. And maybe we made out some. I don't know. Anyway, 
So it's just super cute. But anyway, um, after Brenda's left and Todd's like, I just, I need to get your address so that I can properly thank you. And Nancy's like, you really fucking don't have to. Ned's looking at his watch and he's like, oh shit, I have to go. And Nancy's like, uh, oh, okay. And Ned's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. My mom's car is in the shop and I have to go pick her up and I'm really sorry. And, and he starts to, to jog off and she's like, shit, because she feels like she's missed her chance. And I'm like, yeah, you did. You missed your chance for making out with that man. Anyway, so Ned turns back and he's like, can I call you later? And Nancy's like, yeah, like shy because, oh my God, y'all, you're so adorable. Pretending y'all ain't banged. It's fine. Um, but anyway, Nancy goes home and she's like, who the fuck would have wanted to shoot at Todd Harrington? The thing is that he's very much like clean cut, all American. The only scandal that's really attached to his name is his father's death, which again happened before he was fucking born. Like he definitely wasn't involved in it. So Nancy's like, "Mm." she's intrigued because it's a mystery, but also it, maybe it was just some rando. She doesn't know. So she goes to sleep that night thinking about it. And when she wakes up the next morning, she's like, why the fuck didn't Ned call me? (laughs) I love it. There's like some interesting, weird parallels here between um, the clue in the diary and this book, because it's like Ned calls Nancy like the morning after and clue in the diary or like right after they've met. And in this book, it's like, um, why the fuck ain't he called me? I mean, there's no arson scene for him to go back to to find a mysterious ring and then ask if she's maybe dating someone. But anyway, it's fine. Um, but she's just, like, distracted by it. She's He's home on a school break, and so she knows he's not going to be home that long. And so she's also like, I really want to spend time with him. I don't want to take on a mystery because that's kind of part of the reason that we had a lot of tension and broke up. So maybe I should stay available for making out slash banging sessions, IDK. And she goes downstairs and she's still kind of like distracted by all that. And Hannah's like, so you made the front of the paper? And Nancy's like, did I? So Hannah pulls out the paper and she's the front story. She's the above the fold lead story. Nancy, it's like local detective saves life of candidate. And Nancy's like, fucking hell, because... If one is ever going to go undercover, like, one does not want to be above the fold on the fucking newspaper. with, a, And it's a picture of her shaking Todd's hand. Like, it's like, could I get any more obvious? I have often fantasized, side note, that um, whenever Nancy is, like, in regular persona, that maybe she should just wear some reading glasses. It worked for Clark Kent. And that way, if somebody's like, oh, you look like her, she'll be like, but I am not wearing tortoiseshell glasses. And they'll be like, you're so right. I guess you are not her. But anyway, that's, that's not a thing that she ever does. Um, <laughs> but it'd be fantastic though. Um, or maybe just go full prom at all opportunities. Just saying. So Nancy looks at the story and she's like, oh my God, this is just a fucking nightmare. Like, I didn't do this for publicity. And of course, because Brenda's a total twerp, like she's, she doesn't ever present Nancy in the best light possible. Um, so then I think it's actually Bess who calls Nancy and she's like, oh my God, did you see the paper? And Nancy's like, yeah. And Bess is like, you didn't say a word about this when we took you home. Because of course, because Ned had to go, like she had to ride home with Bess and George. Um, Bess is like, I can't believe it. And are you going to accept the challenge? And Nancy's like, accept what challenge and Bess is like okay turn to the editorial page because Brenda has also written an editorial for this paper so Nancy pulls it out and flips to that page and Brenda has written this long thing about like 
Todd's father's death and how mysterious it is and the fact that it's unsolved. And she says that she is challenging Nancy to a detective duel to see who can find the truth of it first. Because it's it's a mysterious death. Um, the cops never really closed the case. They were like, we don't, there was no suicide note. We don't think it was suicide, but we it could be that it was an accident. We don't know. And one thing that Brenda mentions to Nancy that she didn't know about was that from the position of the body, apparently he fell out of the tower room. And Nancy's like, there's no fucking way that somebody can just fall out of the tower room. Like, no. Which raises some questions. During that moonlight stroll, did they also break in just to check shit out? Um, has she just gone up there and scrutinized the place just for the fun of it? Because there's some weird stuff here. Nancy goes up to visit the house like three times during this book, and I'm getting definite like clue in the, this will be Mystery of the Moss Covered Mansion. Like, just like perpetually visiting this house because you know some shit's going down there. Except for in this case, it is not wild animals. It's not. I'm not going to say spoiler alert. It's not. Anyway, what it is, though, is hilarious as hell. Um, yeah, so Nancy's like, no, he couldn't have, that wouldn't have been an accident. So she's like, yeah, it's a mysterious death. So she actually decides that she's going to go by and tell Brenda in person that, yeah, she's going to take this shit on. Like, how about you kiss my entire ass? So <laughs> why don't you give up now? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe the floor with you. Anyway. So Nancy gets dressed and she goes down there and actually, um, right before she leaves, I think Ned calls her and he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't call yesterday. I got tied up with some shit. Nancy's like, it's cool. I I mean, I I wasn't sitting by the phone waiting for you to call except for that. I totally was. It's fine. Um, but Ned's like, so are you going to accept it? Because of course everyone in town apparently reads this paper. It's weird because in another book, they basically refer to the today's times, which is the name of the newspaper is like a fucking tabloid. So you're like, is it like National Enquirer level where it's just like a bunch of dirt on people or are we talking like legit because the River Heights Gazette is the legit paper. We're going to get to that. Oh my God, we're going to get to that. Anyway, um, so Ned's read it as well. Even though he lives in fucking Mapleton and doesn't even live in River Heights, I guess he gets it so that he can put together his scrapbook of all of Nancy's exploits. That would make 100% sense to me. Anyway, um, Ned's like, are you going to take the case? And Nancy's like, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a mystery. You know me. And Ned's like, yeah. And then Nancy's like, oh, should I have? I don't know. Because she's stuck in this weird place. They're not really back together. And also she's got this tension between like she wants, she definitely wants to get back together with Ned. But, and she needs to make time to do that. But then the mysteries come up and the whole challenge thing. And again, it's a 30-fucking-year-old mystery. Like, there's no urgency attached to it in that way. So from that perspective, like, it definitely feels like she could put it off. But then Brenda's like, no, no, we're going to solve this shit. So that that produces the motivation for Nancy to go after it now instead of just banging Ned until his eyes roll back in his head, which you know what my vote on this would have been and what it always will be. Um. So Nancy's like, yeah, I'm, I think I am. And Ned's like, well, just be careful. And Nancy's like, he does care. Anyway, so she decides to to go tell Brenda in person. She stops by and she's like, so um, I, I saw your challenge and I am taking you up on it. And Brenda's like, fantastic. 
And Nancy's like, yeah, I'm just going to need to look into, you know, whatever morgue files your paper has about this, like whatever stories, just, just saying. And Brenda's like, now, why would I help you? And Nancy's like, do you know why you will help me? It's because if you don't, I'll write an editorial and then I'll just go find this shit on my own at the local library. So just do a bitch a fucking favor and walk me down to your morgue. So Brenda's like, okay. Because again, it's like sour grapes. So she's like immediately like, no, I need to handicap you. I need to make sure that you cannot get clues as fast as I can. So she walks Nancy down there. Nancy has to use a fucking microfilm machine, which I love every part of. And she's like, had to learn how to use it, which I'm like, hmm, based on previous shit, I'm pretty sure that Nancy is very familiar with how to use microfilm machines. She just maybe needed an introduction on this one, but it is fine. So she flips through and she's like, okay, this is interesting. The person in question that she's looking into, like his specific death, um, he seems to have been a complete asshole. Just saying, like there were scandals about his father, about him. And so Todd seems to kind of stand out from that and that he doesn't have that going on. But mm, there's some interesting stuff here too, where he's running for office and the fact that somebody would actually try to take a shot at him shot at him, and I don't think Nancy ever goes down this this path whenever she's thinking about it. That's a really good way to bring up some publicity. Like, that's going to get your name in some papers, and that'll get people thinking about you. So, anyway, but she's more interested in what happened 30 years ago. So, uh, she decides the next thing she's going to do is actually go down to the police station to see what they've got about whatever happened, because, again, she's got a good relationship with them in this I'm writing a story right now where she's at a local, another place where they're like, no, you're a fucking nuisance. But anyway, the River Heights police know her. Of course, her father is the creator of Toaster Strudel, so they have to stand back for that. Um, it's fine. Uh, on her way there, she actually sees a hot dog stand, <laughs> and there's Ned, and she's like, oh, hey, and he's like, hey, uh, how are you doing? And she's like... Well, I'm actually on my way to the police station, so um, you want to walk with me? And Ned's like, because Ned was like, oh, we can sit down somewhere and eat our hot dogs and maybe go to a local park where there's some nice secluded benches. And Nancy's like, I remember those benches, and I remember what happened previously on those benches, and we would be gone all day. And I'm like, yes to every single possible permutation of what you were just thinking about oh my god yes and so she's like oh you can walk me to the police station and that's like not what I had in mind but okay so they hold hands and walk to the police station and you're like yes and he's like you know just be careful you know the usual there's there's no making out sadly I was like come on you he was giving it to you, girl. He was he was so ready. He was so ready to give you that. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so she actually sees that the mayor's office is right next door. Okay, let me talk about the different suspects that they had on the night in question. All right, so we have Mr. Harrington, the asshole who was murdered or not murdered. And you're like, I think he was probably murdered. Yeah, he was. Um, the suspects that were named in the newspaper and the reports that Nancy was looking at were his main rival, who was named Neil. He's the person who Mr. Harrington was running against, who, like, was basically accusing him of all sorts of terrible campaign things. Um, His 
personal assistant, so his secretary, basically, who is now the mayor of River Heights. His name is Sam Abbott, and his office is right next door to the police station. So Nancy's like, well, let me just stop in and see if I can pick his brain about what happened that night. The third person was his chauffeur, whose name was Charles Ogden. So those are the three people that had any sort of interaction with him on the night in question. So the alibis that the people gave for the night were... Neil had an appointment to talk to Mr. Harrington, but it was canceled, and so he left without ever seeing him. So that's his alibi, is I came, he wasn't there, I left. That's it. The campaign, I'm sorry, I keep saying campaign manager, and that's not what he is. Um, his secretary, Mr. Harrington's secretary, um, said that the chauffeur took him home, and so that was their alibi. The chauffeur was with the mayor at the time, well, the current mayor, at the time that the murder apparently took place because it was around 1130. And hilariously, at one point, Nancy's like, that was probably a ballpark. (laughs) I'm like, it's possible that somebody misremembered times. Like if somebody said, oh, yeah, I was on my way home at 1130 when the murder happened. She's like, well, maybe it was actually 1030. So anyway. She's she's doing the right thing there because she's like, how do we know exactly that it was 1130? Like, one person said, oh, well, I, I talked to him after such and such left. So that's, yeah. So anyway, so those are the three people. You've got the chauffeur, you've got the secretary, and you've got the um, main political opponent. And Nancy's money is on the main political opponent because, of course, it would make sense that maybe he would assassinate him. Um Mr. Harrington was doing great in the polls, so it kind of makes sense in that way. But she's not totally sure. She stops by to talk to the mayor. Um, He's having some sort of argument with somebody in his office. Um, So he slams the door and she's like, okay. Um, The secretary's like, well, I can fit you in. I can give you like 15 minutes tomorrow. And Nancy's like, okay, that's fine. She goes over to the police station and they are happy to let her just peruse the place, just steal a computer and take it home with, they don't, they don't fucking care. Walk out with all that we have. We owe you everything. You are our patron saint. Um, so yeah, she looks through their files and she doesn't find much that she didn't already know. Um, it basically says that the same suspects that she already knew about. The one thing that she does notice is that Ned's parents were apparently working on Neil Gray's campaign, but the names that are given in this book are wrong. Um, (laughs) You know that tears me up. Oh, my God. Um, Their names are James and Edith. That was established in the original series. And this ghostwriter was like, oh, their names are Gerald and Joyce. And you are so wrong. They are not. They are not. They are James and Edith. It's fine. Um, I do love, though, that the ghostwriter is like, I'm not going to give you a physical description of these people because I don't fucking care that much. Anyway. So Nancy makes a mental note to just stop by and talk to them, like get their impressions about... Neil, like, is he the kind of person who could have gone off about this? Like, you know, did he have that kind of temperament? Did he have that kind of demeanor? That kind of stuff. So let me think. I think after that, she actually decides that she wants to go up to Harrington House and just check out the place. Like I said, she visits the place several times during the book. Um, She goes up there. She drives up there, actually, and she... <laughs> She drives by Bess and George. <laughs> and poor Bess and George are jogging. And, like, George is, of course, like, on top of the world. And Bess is like, 
why the fuck does anyone do this? Oh my God. So Nancy pulls over and she's like, y'all want to ride? And Bess is like, oh my God, thank you. And George is like, you just said that you were cool with this. And Bess is like, I'm literally about to die. And George is like, we've only been doing this for 15 minutes. And Bess is like, they have been the longest 15 minutes of my fucking life. Can we please get in this damn car? And she's like, and we haven't met a single guy. (laughs) Because again, the only raid that you're going to get Bess out jogging anywhere is if a man is at the end of that race, which I 100% respect. Anyway, so Nancy's like, hey, I'm just going to go up to Harrington House and check the place out and, you know, see what I can find out about it. Previously, I forgot about this. Previously, actually, Nancy had gone up there and um, that's when she wanted to go up there and check the place out and see what it looked like. This is a second attempt. She doesn't, she didn't enter the house the first time. Um, the first time she went, looked up at the tower window, she saw that there was really no way that somebody could accidentally fall out of that window. Like, it just didn't make sense. Even though she's able to go to the ledge, like, the land right underneath the window. So, I was like, apparently no one believes that he was just taking a moonlight stroll, just, you know, having a cigar, enjoying his life. There's a wall that wraps around the the compound, basically, on three sides. And then the fourth side is the cliff wall. So, yeah. And it goes down to the river. River Heights, y'all. River Heights. Um... Nancy is just standing there looking up at it when she feels a hand clamp down on her shoulder and she actually like tilts forward slightly, grabs the hand and flips the person over her because she knows judo and she ain't afraid to use it. And it's actually Todd who was like, oh shit. <laughs> and Nancy's like, I am so sorry. And Todd's like, uh, that, that'll teach me not to sneak up on people. And Nancy's like, I'm so sorry. I was thinking about something else. And he's like, clearly. He's like, you're really good at martial arts. And Nancy's like, uh, I mean, I'm decent. My friend is better. So Nancy asks him specifically because he thanks her again for saving his life the previous day. And she's like, girl, it was nothing. But she asks him, like, why is it that you're so resistant to me finding out what actually happened to your father? And Todd's like, uh, because my father was into some shit and I just don't want his stuff dragged up again because people will associate me with that. And I'm just not comfortable with that. And Nancy's like, oh, I, I can respect that. Or you just, you don't want to confuse anything by bringing that stuff up. And he's like, yeah, so like, I respect what you're doing, but I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to do anything to hurt you, but I'm not going to help you out with this. And Nancy's like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, again, it's, he's never met the guy, but he also doesn't want to tank his chances immediately. So Nancy watches him go through the bushes and there's a like low place in the wall where it's easy to get in. And she's like, bingo. So that means that whenever she comes back with Bess and George, she knows exactly how she's going to enter the grounds. And on that note, let's take a short break. Okay. Nancy, Bess and George are about to go into the Harrington house grounds. Nancy's like, look, a break in the shrubbery. This is going to be great. And so of course they're all dressed for jogging. So it's fine. Um, they get over the wall and immediately like two Dobermans run up, which again is reminding me of the mystery of the moss covered mansion, because remember how there were constantly dogs everywhere. Um, anyway, so they see Dobermans run up and Nancy's like, oh shit. And Bess is like, yeah. Um, when I say that I like to run first off, I'm lying. Second, I don't like, I'm going to be hauling ass away from these dogs. Um, Bess, again, in an interesting nod to the original books, brought some chicken sandwiches with her. What I find weird about this is that she strapped them to her own body using some sort of, like, leather pouch. 
it's as though she had like uh one of those little fanny packs anyway <laughs> but she like strapped it to her skin <laughs> i've got a lot of questions is best used to smuggling food in and out of places what's happening here anyway so in her haste to get away from the dogs the package of sandwiches falls on the ground and the dogs are like hello and they just grub down and Nancy looks at it and she just starts laughing because she's like they're just big old fakers like they're just here to scare people off and Bess is like and they have like we're going home and Nancy's like look they're fine like she lets the dog sniff her hand and they're fine with her because they're like food yes food so they Nancy Bess and George managed to get inside and the guy who opens the front door because Nancy's like uh I don't I mean, there's cars parked out front. I don't think I'm gonna, um, break in. This place is fine. Um, the guy who opens the door is like, oh, hey, I've been waiting for you. And Bess is like, hell yeah, you have, because he's hot. (laughs) It's not Todd. Uh, Bess is, of course, like, is Todd cute? And Nancy's like, yeah, not that I care. But the guy who answers the door is like, oh, well, come on in here. And Bess is like, yes, please. And so they go into this room and he's like, okay, you're going to be stuffing envelopes. And Bess is like, what, uh, I I thought she was going into full like Blanche Devereaux mode, but no, dude is not here for that. Um, he, this is his campaign headquarters, actually. This is Todd's campaign headquarters. So there are people like just stuffing envelopes full of like vote for Todd things. So Nancy's like, uh, yeah, we we are 100% here to do campaign shit. So they're stuffing like a million envelopes and they've been doing this for like a couple hours at this point. Nancy wants to see the scene of the crime. She wants to go up into the tower room because apparently she hasn't been up there or, well, clearly she hasn't been up there to actually look at it for this particular reason. Um, eventually she's like, oh, we need to stretch our legs. And the dude's like, yeah, that, that's totally fine. He's like, do take some donuts to feed to the dogs because if you feed them, they will love you. But if not, they are not going to be nearly as friendly, which I'm like, I feel that one should not feed dogs donuts, maybe because my dog was diabetic. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. Um, no big. They're not going to leave, though, so it's fine. Um, Nancy, Bess, and George go up to the tower room. It's like the only one on that. Based on what happens later in the book, I'm pretty sure that's the only room at the top of that staircase, I think. The whole place is like three stories, but apparently the way that you get to that room specifically, um, it seems like that's the only thing up there. Um they look around the room and it's like musty and it's like it's been closed up the whole time and Bess and George are like what are you looking for here and Nancy's like I don't know like I I just sincerely don't know she's she goes through the desk there's like nothing really there um and then Bess is like look what I found and she found a dumbwaiter which I love, like, this is one of the first books that I had ever been exposed to what a dumbwaiter was, I was like, oh my god, this is fantastic, again, they also pop up in book two, whenever Nancy's in New York, and they're at the Chinese restaurant, but anyway, back to the point, um, the dumbwaiter is still functional, actually, and Nancy looks inside, and she's like, huh, and then she pokes her head into the dumbwaiter shaft, and she sees a black box with some cords, and she's like, Huh. So she goes over to the wall where that would be located and she finds a basically like a canvas panel covering something. And when she checks it out, like next to it seem to be some speakers and she's like, "Uh, okay. And so Bess and George are like, what could this be for? Like, was he really into music? And maybe he just didn't want his system to be out there where everybody would see it. Like, 
he wanted to cleverly hide it in the wall. And Nancy's like, I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Just, just some weird stuff. So she's actually preparing to just rip the canvas off the wall to see what's behind it when a guy, like, throws open the door and is like, what are you doing here? And he's got a fucking shotgun in his hands. And Nancy and Bess and George are like, uh, we were lost. <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> and the guy's like, what do you mean you were lost? And Nancy's like, we came here to volunteer for the campaign. What the fuck are you doing? Like, we, we came in. There was nobody here. We were looking around. Where are we supposed to be? And the guy with the gun's like, downstairs and Nancy's like where downstairs we did not see anybody and the guy's like I I don't know you figure it out and so he like slams the door shut and leaves and Nancy's like he clearly is not with the campaign like this is bullshit so they go downstairs but um they can't find the guy and Bess and George are like okay this has been fun but let's go home so they leave Nancy actually gets a call from her father around this time he is at a conference in Boston. Boston is just the place where conferences are held, especially for people in the legal profession. I have no fucking clue what he's doing there, neither does Nancy. Um, so he's like, oh, how are you doing? And Nancy's like, so funny story. I'm investigating a thing. You, you might remember it. It's, you know, the Harrington death. And Carson's like, oh yeah, side note, Nancy's 18. If you assume that Carson was, let's say 20, ish when she was born then he would have been around 10 at the time that this happened I mean if you want to age him up some you still could but he would still be like let's say at most 20 and even that's kind of pushing it so eh, like he doesn't remember much about it and that's what he tells Nancy, like, she's like, remember? And he goes, okay, I remember that it wasn't really resolved. And so she tells him more about it. And then she's like, and this was the main guy who was his opposition. And Carson's like, tell me about him again. Like, this is clearly not even on his radar. He's like, I, I remember that people didn't really like him. I mean, IDK. And so Nancy's like, okay, so the other suspects I have are, of course, the mayor who was his secretary and also the chauffeur. Charles Ogden. And Carson goes, oh, I'm the wrong person to ask about him. And Nancy's like, what? And Carson's like, yeah, um, Hannah was dating him. Actually, the way that Carson phrases it, and it, it took me back when I read this, he was like, they were going together. And I was like, that is so deeply like 80s, 90s. Oh my God. Like, that's what people said when I was in high school. That's adorable. He didn't say they were banging or having a booty call. It's like, they were going together. Not even going steady, y'all. They were going together. Anyway, when Hannah initially heard that Nancy was going to be investigating this case, like, she was holding something glass, and of course it fell out of her hand and shattered, and she was like, Nancy, don't take this case. And Nancy's like, why would you say that? And Hannah's like, because it's dangerous. And Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. Anyway, so Carson's like, I probably shouldn't have told you that. Um, She was pretty private about it, and she just mentioned it like one time in passing, and don't tell her that I told you about it. Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh. So she immediately goes downstairs, and she's like, Hannah. And Hannah's like, yes. And Nancy's like, so don't ask how I know this, but I found out that you were dating this chauffeur. And Hannah's like, fuck, okay. So... Um, they sit down and they have some iced tea because she's going to be spilling some. 
And I was like, yeah, we, we were going out together at the time that the thing happened. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. And Hannah's like, yeah, um, we, I was pretty sure that he was going to ask me to marry him. And yeah. And Nancy's like, wow, I did not know that there was anyone before Mr. Gruen. I thought that it was just him and that was it. There was no one else. And Hannah's like, yeah, um, yeah, he was... He was pretty much the first love of my life. And Nancy's like, oh shit, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dredge all this up. Can you tell me anything about that night? And Hannah's like, well, I can tell you that he was going to ask for a raise because, again, I was pretty sure he was going to ask me to marry him and, you know, things were going great. And I do know that he did ask for the raise and Mr. Harrington said no and he accepted it. And then he had to go back later to pick up um, Mr. Abbott. But, I mean, he was chill, though. And Nancy was like, uh, okay, um, do you know where he is now so I could maybe talk to him about what happened that night? And Hannah's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, pretty soon after that, we lost touch with each other, and then I met Mr. Gruen, and everything was okay. And Nancy's like, okay. And Hannah's like, and it worked out for the best, because then I would never have been with Mr. Gruen, and I wouldn't have had a, a fantastic marriage with him, so, like, I guess things just worked out the way they were meant to, and, you know, I, I did really love him, but it just wasn't meant to be, and Nancy, of course, because these books are as subtle as an anvil, immediately is like, is this a message? Like, I really love Ned, and I want this to work, but are we too different? Are my mysteries just always going to get in the way? I don't know. I'm just, I'm torn. I'm conflicted. Anyway, so Nancy finds that out about Charles Ogden, that he may have had a motive because, of course, his boss had turned him down for a raise and he really wanted that. And so she's not sure what to do with that information. Um, then she goes to see the mayor and he's like, oh, well, you know, I will help you in whatever way I can. And Nancy's like, can you tell me anything about that night? Anything that you remember? Like, I've read the police reports, but, you know, anything. And he's like, not really. I mean, it it happened just like I said. The chauffeur took me home. Um, like, nothing weird that night. I know that Neil Gray came over, and he desperately wanted to get in, and he was just being a total jackass and just ranting and raving about like conspiracies and all sorts of bad things that are happening and so honestly like I think it was him and Nancy's like uh, okay and the mayor's like because Mr. Harrington was an outstanding man and Neil knew that he was never going to win against him so Nancy actually goes at that point and talks to Ned's parents because remember they came, they were in the campaign for Neil. And so she's like, I wanted to know your impressions about him. And they agree with what Carson tells Nancy that, um, it was like he had a chip on his shoulder. Like he thought everybody was out to get him. And, um, that's one thing they mention. They say that she reads an interview with him. She finds an interview with Neil and it says like the, the Harrington team says that, you know, like, I'm getting donations from felons, and that's true because somebody who donated me had, like, a parking ticket, like, you know, criminals or whatever. Um, they say that, like, basically, they're trying to smear all this mud all over me, and while what they're saying is technically true, it's still a dick move. Like, as a side note, um, their political parties are never actually named in this. Like, 
I do make a comment in the description notes for this show that it's like Nancy is a Democratic National Committee, but it's it's never stated like what political leanings they had, like what their campaign goals were or anything like that. And Todd never mentions them. <laughs> it's like, vote for me. I'm gonna be cute. <laughs> so anyway. So that was the impression that other people got from him. And also like Ned's parents say that like they didn't have a positive impression of him after they had worked in his campaign office. Like he seemed, he did seem kind of like paranoid about things. But the thing was that Nancy's like, but I mean, it sounds like he had reason to be. It sounds like they were the opposite campaign was just playing dirty. So just saying, and Todd acknowledges that Todd's like, yeah, he was kind of a dick. So there's that. Let me think. Nancy goes back up to the house because of course she does. Um, there's, she goes up to the house a bunch of different fucking times. Um, and one of the times that she goes up there, actually she's pursued by, I think this may be the first time that she goes up there after she's, she saw Todd and Todd to him and everything. Um, she leaves the place and almost immediately there's a black car that's tailgating her. And because of the angle of the sun, she can't really make out anything about the person driving. And I was like, that is way too coincidental. Like you cannot plan that shit. So I'm just saying, um, cause again, the person's right behind her. They keep tailgating her. They tap her bumper whenever she slows down to, like, basically throw her off. They don't, again, remember they're on, like, a cliff. Like, it's a steep road up there. Um, She's never driven off the road. Like, she's never forced off the road or anything. It's just basically an intimidation technique. She approaches an intersection, and this huge gasoline tanker is running through, and she, like, slams on her brakes and does, like, a, a few spins, ends up in basically, like, the median the black car like swerves around her and just plunges right through the intersection, barely missing the gasoline truck. And then a tomato red car whizzes by right after that red car and almost just runs straight into that gasoline tanker. And so Nancy sees that and she's like, Brenda fucking Carlton. Okay. So she, Nancy drives over to where she is because Brenda, of course, has pulled over to the side of the road to catch her breath. And Nancy's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what you just did was incredibly stupidly dangerous. What are you doing? And Brenda's like, look, I just wanted to follow you. I did not know that that black car was doing anything. And Nancy's like, they were trying to kill me. And Brenda's like, no, nah, fam, I think they could have killed you. Like, if they wanted to, they could have. They just were trying to mess with you. And Nancy's like, still super dangerous. Why are you following me? And Brenda's like, I just wanted to see what leads you had. And Nancy's like, why don't you go straight to hell? Like, seriously. And if you keep doing this, then I'm just going to tell everybody that you are so convinced that you are shit at detective work that all you're reduced to is following me around like a little lost puppy because you can't find your own leads. And so Brenda like flounces off and she's like, whatever. But before she does that, Nancy's like, okay, detective, um, tell me about the car. And Brenda's like, it was black. And Nancy's like, do you know anything else about it? Like the license plate number. And Brenda's like, well, it was so fast that, I mean, I think it started with a three and Nancy's like, you are completely fucking useless in every possible way. Did you see anything about the driver? And Brenda's like, it was a tall man. And Nancy's like, are you even sure it was a man? Like, why are you saying this? And Brenda's like, I know what a man looks like. And Nancy's like, fine, anything else. And that's basically it. It's a tall, 
man. Like the top of his head was brushing the roof of the car in a black car. That's all she's got, really. And Nancy's like, cool. So tall men, that's what you got for me. Okay, cool, awesome. Um, Nancy tries to track down, whenever she goes to the police station, she looks for like last known addresses. And of course, they know where the mayor is, but they don't know where Neil is or where Charles is. And that's one of the reasons that Nancy asks, like, Hannah, do you know where Charles is? Um, and she doesn't. So she's like, I really need to track Neil down so I can question him and find out about, you know, what's going on here. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think about what the next thing that happens is. And I think that it's when Nancy pulls into her garage after she's had a long day. Um, she keeps running into Ned. And I think one of the most fascinating things about this book is that she never like directly asks Ned, like, would you like to help me? Would you like to help me out on this case? Because it's like, she doesn't want to rub his face in it. But also like the best way for Ned to spend time with Nancy is to help her work on the case. So there's that. Um, anyway, so yeah, she runs into him every now and then, which is pretty cool. Um, she pulls into her, into the garage, she shuts it and the light goes off and she gets out of her car and she hears somebody breathing, (laughs) which is the creepiest fucking shit because there's no light in there. And she knows that if she goes to the kitchen door and opens it, that she'll immediately be silhouetted in the light and she'll be a, a target. So she's like, who's there? And a person, whoever's there in the darkness is like, I'm here to warn you. And Nancy's like, of course you are. Um, you want to be any bit more specific about that? And they're like, stop investigating this case or something bad might happen. And she's like, again, do you want to be any more specific? Like, she's feeling pretty snarky. And the person threatening her is like, just lay off this case. And then he's like, go lay in your car and with your head down and don't watch. And um, I'm going to leave the garage and just count to 50 or anyway. So Nancy gets in her car and <laughs> she lays across the front seat as she's instructed to do. And which involves laying across the gear shift. And she's like, Mustangs are not built for this, which is true. In mine, there was both a gear shift and a console in the middle. So it would not have been comfortable for me to lay across the seats. I would have been like, can I just gently recline in the driver's seat, which hugs me gently, like the best possible driver's seat. Anyway, um, so she counts to like three and then pops her head up and then like gets out of the car and runs and she can't find the person. She's like, fuck. All she knows it is probably a man. Um, she goes into the house and Hannah's there and, and Nancy's like, yeah, there was a guy in the garage. And Hannah's like, what the fuck? Because again, remember Carson is not there. So Nancy actually asks Hannah again about Charles because she can't find any leads on him. She can't find where he is. And Hannah's like, so let me revise slightly what I told you. Um, Charles was really fucking angry when he got t- turned down for that promotion. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. Um, okay, definite motive. And Hannah's like, yeah, um, I was never fully convinced that he didn't do it. And Nancy's like, that's even worse. Like the person he was dating who, you know, should have trusted him is like, I think he might've killed that guy. Um, apparently Charles told Hannah like soon after Mr. Harrington died that he had a way for them to maybe get some money so that they could get married. But he had become like kind of secretive and like Hannah didn't like the way he was changing. And Hannah said, 
that soon after that he told Hannah he might need to leave town for a little while, but he would send for her and they would be together. And then he never came back. And that's that's what happened. Like, Hannah didn't break up with him. She was kind of considering it by that point, but he just left and she never heard from him again and it kind of broke her heart. And Nancy was like, okay, this is fucking terrible. And then Hannah's like... Hannah's talking to her, and she's like, yeah, I mean, I, it worked out for the best, so I can't really be all that mad about it. And Nancy's like, by the way, uh, was he cute? And Hannah's like, oh, yeah. He had dark hair, and he had gorgeous eyes, but he would laugh whenever anybody called him handsome. And Nancy was like, why? Why? And Hannah's like, because he couldn't have been more than an inch taller than me. <laughs> and Nancy's like, ah, so he was not the guy who was driving that car that almost ran me off the road, whose head was brushing the roof of the car. Like, he would have been in, like, 5'5". Five, five. So, there's that. Um, let me think. I th- I'm pretty sure that the, it's the night after the garage thing. Um, Nancy comes home to find that all the lights are blazing in the house, and she's, like... This is interesting. I guess Hannah really wants to make sure that nobody sneaks into the garage again. And, like, as soon as Nancy walks up, the neighbor's cat is on the front porch, inexplicably. His name is Max. Um, <laughs> a callback to the grandfather. Um, Nancy's just sitting there, like, stroking the cat when Hannah, like, screams. And she's like, thief! And Nancy runs into the house. And there's shit everywhere. Like, it looks like somebody has ransacked their fucking house. Hannah's like, they're still in there. And Nancy looks around and she hears a noise and it turns out to be the cat who just ran around to the back door. And so they don't find the thief. They call the police. Um, Ned actually <laughs> pulls up right around then. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to see if... Oh, there is one point in here where they actually do go to a pizza place and get and have a date. Like, a legit date. And it's nice. And, and they're chatting. And Nancy senses that maybe he's about to have, like, a more serious conversation with her. And she gets kind of freaked out because she's very nervous that he's going to break up with her. Even though they're not together. Because, again, she's solving a mystery. when And there's one point where he says, I was kind of surprised that you decided to take on this mystery because I've only got so much of a break from school. And Nancy's like, I told you the morning of that I was going to take this and you didn't say anything. And that's like, because I know you and I didn't want to interfere with what you wanted to do. And I knew I was going to be busy. So, cause she tries to call his house like four times or drive by his house, like even more. And he's never home. It's like his parents are just running him ragged on errands. So he stops by. Um, I don't think he, I think that he actually does say that maybe he tried to call her house, but the phones were out, so he decided to stop by. But anyway, um, the cops are there looking around, and Ned's like, what the, what happened? And Nancy's like, yeah, um, somebody broke in and just ransacked the fucking place. And Ned's like, damn, that sucks. Do you want to go get some pizza? (laughs) And Nancy's like, I would love to get some fucking pizza, but also I don't want to leave Hannah here to have to clean this up all by herself. And also she's kind of wigged out, because, again, she caught an intruder in the house. Just saying. And Ned's like, okay. And then he, um... He, like, looks at her, and it seems significant, and, like, he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just see you later, and she's, there's a lot in this book where she's kicking herself. After their date, where they actually go to a pizza place, and she's talking to to him about the case and everything, um, I think, yeah, she drives him home, and 
I think that's right after the time that she talked to his parents about the campaign that they'd worked on. Um, he leans over and he gives her like a kiss on the cheek and is like, okay, well, I'll see you later. And then he gets out of the car and Nancy's like, why didn't he give me like a real kiss? By the time she gets home, and I love this, she's mad at herself because she's like, why the fuck did you not grab him and just start making out with him? Because you can take the initiative here as well. And I'm like, yes to all this. Drag him into the tiny, tiny backseat of that Mustang and fuck his brains out. Just just go for it, girl. Y'all got a lot of tension to work through. Y'all got a lot of ballerinas to work past. A lot of law students who we could not give less of a fuck about, like, just get in that backseat and bang this out. Anyway, so um, Nancy's helping Hannah clean up when she's looking around and going, the thief didn't steal anything. Like, her personal computers there. This is 1986. This is 1980-fucking-6, okay? 1986-87, a personal computer in somebody's house? That shit's expensive. Um, Nancy, of course, has her file cabinets. She's got a VCR. She's got her, her, her tape player. She's got her TV in her room. They've got a TV downstairs. They've got all sorts of stuff, and nobody stole anything. She notices. So she's like, okay, this was clearly intimidation. She mentions that to the cops. And the cops are like, oh, well, maybe you should stop investigating whatever you're looking into. And Nancy's like, you are hilarious. Are you new here? (laughs) Anyway, so she goes to sleep and she's still kind of like shaken up over everything and still kind of weird about Ned. And when she, she's worried, so worried that when she wakes up the next morning and the phone's ringing, she answers the phone and she's like, Ned? And it's Brenda, of course. And Brenda's like, well, now I know why you are not solving this mystery. And Nancy's like, why the fuck are you calling me at 830 in the morning? Like, is there, are you at gunpoint? What is happening? And Brenda's like, I just wanted to let you know that I solved the case. And Nancy's like, what do you mean you solved the case? Like, tell me everything. And Brenda's like, not over a phone line. Also, your phone's making weird clicking noises. And Nancy's like, I don't fucking care about that. What What did you find out? And she's like, I found Neil Gray. And Nancy's like, okay, um, tell me everything. And did he confess? Like, you, you need evidence to say that you've figured everything out. And Brenda's like, let me meet you. Let's meet. And Nancy's like, this is the dumbest shit ever, but okay. So Nancy goes to the bad part of River Heights. <laughs> The way that you know it's the bad part of River Heights is because the storefronts have the metal grates that you pull down after you have closed the store for the night. That is how you know. So Brenda told her to park her car at a specific place and then walk like three blocks. And Nancy's like, this is such garbage, but okay. So she's walking and she hears this sound and senses movement above her. And somebody like drops a flower pot off the top of a building, like from four stories up toward her head as one does. And so she like ducks out of the way. And then she sees Brenda, actually. Brenda's walking down the street wearing, of course, like stilettos and a silk shirt. And she's like, I told you to meet me at the bus station. And Nancy's like, somebody just tried to fucking kill me. Nancy, of course, is wearing a sweatsuit because she dresses responsibly for her detecting. But Brenda, of course, is dressed the absolute worst possible other than maybe a sumo wrestler suit. That would also impede one's progress. Yes, I know that from experience. Um, So Nancy runs up to the roof on the fire escape. Um, The roof is covered in that sticky tar stuff. There's nobody up there. The door that goes into the building is unlocked. So Nancy and Brenda go into the building and they're looking and Nancy's trying to find any, she's like, maybe they're still here. And I'm like, girl, they ain't still there. They ain't. It's fine. 
Um, but Brenda walks into Brown's room and she screams and Nancy's like, oh my God, what is it? And Brenda's like, it's a rat. I found it. It's a rat. And Nancy's like, that is not at all what we're looking for. You are the worst at this. But when she walks into the room, she sees like enormous footprints in the dust that are clearly from the guy who came after her. And she's like, okay, well, they're going to a window and then to a fire escape. And so he's gone. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Thanks, Brenda. Um, so Brenda tells Nancy that she tracked down Neil Gray and she found out that he is the one who took a shot at Todd. Oh my God. So he's the one who, um, he admits that he, he heard that Todd was running for office and he just snapped basically and decided to go just shoot the guy as one does. Um, and so Nancy's like, uh, okay, did he confess to killing his father 30 years ago? And Brenda's like, I'm sure he will. Like, once the cops get hold of him, I'm sure that he will. And Nancy's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I completely accept that he's probably the one who took a shot at him. That that's, that rings true, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, after all that, Nancy goes to goes back to her house because she needs to change because of course she's covered in like dirt and everything. It's just real bad. Um, and the phone rings and it's Ned and he's like, I, I want to talk to you. Um, there's an earlier conversation. This is one on her front porch where he's like, this is really hard. And you're like, girl, you know, it is. She ain't been on it for a hot minute, but anyway, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so yeah, he's holding her hand and he's like, yeah, we just really need to talk. And Nancy's like, oh shit. So whenever Ned calls her, she's like, he's like, I really wanted to talk to you. Like, you know, maybe we could talk right now. And Nancy's like, um, I, I need to go to the Harrington house like right now because I need to check out a lead that I've got. And there's something that I was just never able to really look at. So I'm going to go do that. And that's like, oh, okay, well be careful. And she's like, yeah, well, bye. And so she decides to run because she wants to just run away from the conversation because she doesn't want them to break up with her. So we'll pick up with that after the break. Okay. Nancy heads back to Harrington house. As you know, because we are at the climax of the novel, it's raining. <laughs> it has to be raining. It always has to be raining. So she heads out there and she's actually not sure exactly what she's looking for. Like she kind of said that as a dodge to get, a, she didn't want to break up with her. So she just kind of made that up to get away from him. But when she gets out there, she's like, you know, I never actually investigated that whole speaker system thingy. So let me check that shit out. So she goes in there. She, it's, she actually brings some lunch meat for the dogs so that they won't, they won't come after her when she goes in there. What I think is weird. Like she has the impression that the, campaign guys downstairs but he never appears like I don't know if maybe she sees him and he like goes on break at that point or whatever but anyway so she has to still sneak into the house and be really quiet but she goes up into the tower room she finds that panel that the canvas that was covering that system and she yanks it off the wall and she finds a reel-to-reel tape recorder because you didn't know this but this entire book has been a fucking nod to Watergate. Oh my God. That is why I say that Nancy is the Democratic National Convention. Um, anyway, so she feeds the tape into the 
into the thing so that she can actually listen to it. And the first thing that she hears on it is John Harrington's voice, which she instinctually recognizes as it is cold and political. <laughs> I suppose. Um, the first thing she hears is him talking to somebody and saying, I hired you when nobody else would because you were suspected of buying votes. And so now I want you to do that for me. And the guy's like, I can't do that. What if I get caught? And he's like, that is none of my concern because we need to go like full super villain slash victim blaming here. Um, so Nancy's like, yeah, everything they said about him was true. So that's cool where he just... And Todd even acknowledges where it's like they were definitely open to doing underhanded shit to get their way. So just saying. The next thing is like a whispered conversation. She doesn't hear much of it. Um, she just hears a lot of like, yes, over the phone. His speechwriter comes in and they talk about like what he's going to be discussing and where the jokes are going to be and all sorts of stuff to kind of rip the veneer off that. The next person who comes in is Charles Ogden. So Nancy hears that. And she hears the entire conversation where um, Mr. Harrington is like incredibly cold and dismissive. And Charles is like, I've worked for you for a year. Um, when I was hired, you said basically that after a year that I might get a raise. So I just wanted to talk about that. And Mr. Harrington's like, we would, but I was late for that speech last week. And there was that time we were stuck in traffic. And Charles is like, it's traffic. Like, that's a thing that happens. Also, cars break down. Like, that's a thing that also happens. And he's like, that is none of my concern. So, no, you will not be getting a raise. And he storms out of there, but that's it. Like, he doesn't say, like, you'll be sorry or you're going to pay for this or anything like that. Like, he just basically storms out of there. Um, The next thing, I think that, like, another speechwriter comes in or they talk more about the points for that. And then somebody else walks in and she hears... Mr. Harrington addressed him as Sam, and she goes, oh, it's the mayor. Okay. And he's like, I've got those reports you wanted. And Mr. Harrington's like, okay, cool. Let's let's just sit down and have a little chat. It's been a hot minute since we've had a chat. And so Sam comes in and sits down, and Mr. Harrington's like, yeah, um, you, you've been working awfully hard lately. I didn't, and I heard that maybe you were thinking about taking a vacation. And Sam's like, oh, no, I don't have enough money for a vacation right now. Like, yeah, that's just a dream. And Mr. Harrington goes, really? Um, because I've, I've heard you've been basically skimming money off the campaign. And Sam's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Mr. Harrington's like, really? Um, so when you were talking to your stockbroker about that inheritance that you got, which I happen to know for a fact that you didn't inherit any money recently, I'm just saying. And he's like, Sam's like, I, I, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And Mr. Harrington's like, yeah, it was, I had to go check the books. Like it was subtle, but, you know, props, props to you for getting away with it that way. But yeah, I found the evidence of it and, and I've got all that. And Sam's like, well, like you said, if it was hard for you to spot, then it's basically your word against mine. Like, eh. and Mr. Harrington's like, so no, I've, I've actually got proof. And so he pulls out a transcript and starts reading from it. And apparently it's enough that first off, it proves that he's got something in there that's recording. And Sam's like, I know your phones aren't bugged. And Mr. Harrington's like, no, they're not. And it's true because Nancy's looking at the bug. Um, so basically 
Mr. Harrington says, now that I know this about you, like you're, I know that you've got political aspirations and I can't have that. Like I want you working for me, but you're going to be under me forever. Like I'm never going to let you go after this. You're going to pay back the money that you stole and you can just kiss any dreams you had of actually holding office for yourself. Goodbye. Cause that's going to be it for you. And Sam, Nancy hears like a bump and a, a yell and then the tape runs out. So Nancy's staring at it and she's like, oh shit. Like she's got the evidence of what happened the night of the murder right there. Like, oh shit. Um, so what happens is actually at that point, she, the, of course the storm has, is in earnest. Like it's, it's thunder and lightning and everything. Um, Mayor Abbott walks in with the guy with the shotgun, because of course the guy with the shotgun works for him. Um, of course he does. Of course he does. So he has not heard what Nancy just has. He doesn't know that she knows for sure. So Nancy's still like, I can still play this off. So the mayor walks in and he's like, so, um, Mr. We, we meet again. Nancy's like, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. And the mayor's like, yeah, so you know that his death was an accident, right? And Nancy's like, oh shit, we're going there. Okay. Um, really? Tell me. And Sam's like, well, he, he was being mean to me and he found out that, yeah, maybe I was stealing some money and like he, we had a fight, he fell down and he hit something and he busted his head and it killed him and it was an accident. And then I of course had to throw his corpse out the window because that is what one does. One sees a corpse and one is like, I must dispose of this immediately because cooties. So I just threw that bitch out the window and Nancy's like, uh, okay. Um, sure, sure, okay, um, yeah, and Mary Rabbit's like, and of course, now that I've told you that, like, uh, I can't let you leave here, and Nancy's like, what happened to the chauffeur, like, the chauffeur said that he drove you home, and everything was fine when he left, and the mayor is like, yeah, um, so we got our story straight afterward, and I knew that he was going to be a loose end, and then he came to me after and was, like, demanding money, because, you know, He'd been there, and he wanted me to pay him to keep him quiet, and so I had to kill him. <laughs> Just casually. Um, so Nancy, of course, in that moment feels terrible for Hannah because she's like, oh, my God, like, the guy that she was so deeply in love with was kind of shitty, actually, um, was going to blackmail as a murderer. What? I mean, you can say that it was an accidental murder, but, I mean, he clearly didn't. And Nancy points this out. She's like, so you didn't like call the police or anything to, or call an ambulance to see if he could be resuscitated. And Sam's like, no. So Nancy's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Um, it's fine. So at that point they're like, okay, come with us, Mr. And she gets into the dumbwaiter. <laughs> I love when the dumbwaiter turns out to be the MVP and it always does. It's so reliable. Um, so she climbs into the dumbwaiter and hits the button. And of course the mayor can't get to her in time. I'm like, this is the fastest dumbwaiter known to man. 
she's still got the, she actually has found a manila envelope that she can put the tape in. Like she knows that she needs to get this to the cops because this is the only proof. Like there's nothing, if there was ever, there wouldn't have been a transcript of this tape because nobody else knew that it existed. Um, there's no other proof. It would be her word against the mayors. And she's like, yeah, that ain't going to work. So she's got the the reel-to-reel tape, and it's in a manila envelope that she stuffs under her shirt. So he doesn't know that she's got it or that it exists. Like, he's pretty sure that there was something in the office that was recording, but he doesn't know that she has it. Um, When he walks in and sees the tape recorder that she's exposed, remember, it's empty at this point. He's like, oh, so you found the tape recorder? And she's like, yeah, it was... It was so weird. That was, um, it was empty. <laughs> so it's, it's very possible that the mayor's like, yeah, you're lying through your teeth. But anyway, so she gets in the dumbwaiter. She goes all the way down to the kitchen, opens the door, and there's somebody down there with a gun. So she gets back on the dumbwaiter. <laughs> um, Actually, at this point, the storm has gotten so bad that she gets stuck between the floors. Like, the mayor basically tells, she's like, won't it be weird if they find my dead body here? Like, you'd think that that's not going to make them maybe look into that old murder. And the mayor's like, oh, no, no, we will we will dispose of your corpse some someplace from here. It, it will not be here. So she knows that they're going to kill her. So she's on the dumbwaiter, and she's like, maybe if I get up to the top floor, like, I can, like punch my way out of this like I don't know like I I gotta get out of this though so she's on her way up and actually the she hears this massive like thunder crack and the dumbwaiter stops moving between floors she doesn't know where she is she doesn't know how far she's gone um she hears Mayor Abbott upstairs who's at the top of the shaft who is like and this, it takes a while, actually. She starts, like, banging on the dumbwaiter and kicking and screaming and trying to get somebody to notice that she's up there. Um, because, remember, she thought the campaign manager was down there, but nobody answers. So it's possible he just went on a break or some shit. Anyway, so she's in there, and she's actually kicking so hard that she manages to kick through the floor of the dumbwaiter, and she finds four more tapes. Of course, she has no idea what's on those. Um... But she kicks through that, so it's a false floor, and then she kicks through the actual bottom of the dumbwaiter, and she's decided that she's, fuck this shit, she's just going to get out of here. So she's like, I'm going to climb down. At first, she was just going to wait them out, but then, of course, they could just station at either, at any of the positions of the dumbwaiter. So, yeah, there's that. So she's hanging onto the cable, and she's very slowly inching her way down, which is nerve-wracking. And she hears from upstairs, Mayor Abbott's like, Nancy, and she's like, yeah. And he's like, so I've got a counteroffer. Um, you don't tell anybody what happened here, and I will make sure that your bank account gets much bigger. And Nancy's like, yeah, I know what happened to the last person that you suggested that to. So there's that. And he says, okay, um, the alternative is that my henchman, <laughs> I think he says assistant, but we all know it's a henchman. My henchman is holding a hacksaw against the dumbwaiter cable, and if you do not say that you are okay with this deal, then he is going to saw through the cable, and the dumbwaiter is going to just crash down with you in it. And Nancy's like, no deal! And the mayor's like, suit yourself! And so she feels the cable start to sway because the henchman, of course, is going at it, and she's like, well, all right, here we are. And she basically just releases the cable. She has no idea how far away she is. 
as you know, since she lives, um, she's not that far. She actually like when she hits her feet are shocked a little bit, but that's about it. So she rolls out into the kitchen and the dumbwaiter crashes down behind her and she's got the tape, thank God. And she gets up and she feels a hand on her arm and screams and it's Ned. It's Ned. Oh my God. It's Ned. Um, he's in the kitchen and he was looking for her and he had heard everything that was going on. And he's like, Oh my God, what's happening? And Nancy's like, we have to go. We have to get to the police station. And that's like, what's going on? And she's like, if I have anything to say about it, the former mayor of River Heights is up there. And Ned's like, Oh snap, son. So they go out to the car. Um, at one previous point, Nancy had come up to the Harrington house and her car had been disabled because somebody removed her distributor cap. As one does. I think that's actually what happened the day she was there with Bess and George. Like they had to call a tow, they had to get towed somewhere and it was just all bullshit. Um, so Nancy's like, let's take your car because mine's probably disabled again. Um, they get into Ned's car there. Ned like squeals out of there cause he's ready to take her to the cops when a gray limo pulls up and Nancy's like, Oh shit. And it opened the door opens and it's Todd. It's Todd. He's there. He's like, what's going on? And Ned's like, we have to get to the police station. We have to, we have to get there immediately. And Todd's like, I have a better idea. <laughs> and he raises a panel to reveal a car phone. <laughs> Because it's 1986, bitches. So um, Ned's like, all that'll work. And so they call the police from there. And by the time the mayor and his henchmen get out of there, there's already a police car screaming up to to take him away. So. Hooray! Um, the end of the book is, because of course there's a scene at the end of the book, um, Hannah's saying that while it was pretty sad to hear about what happened, like she always in her heart knew that something must have happened to keep him away and you know, she'll always remember the good times that she had with Charlie. And, you know, he just had a moment of weakness there at the end, really. And Nancy's like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, Neil did admit to taking the shot and has been arrested. So he's in, he's in jail right now. Um, he's apparently like, after this happened, he lived as a hermit and he's been like really, just kind of getting a little bit not cool. So they're trying to maybe see if they can get temporary insanity for that. Like just not, and his mental capacity was diminished, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So everything's basically wrapped up except for, of course, Nancy and Ed's relationship, which you were like, of course, like we need some closure in a positive way, in a banging way. So Nancy checks her reflection. She's wearing a flowered skirt and a green sweater because she's like, if I'm going to get dumped, I'm going to look hot doing so. Same girl, same. So let's come by to pick her up. They're meeting at the park. Um, he sees her, he takes her hand. He's like, you look so pretty. And she's like, thank you. And then she mentions to him because she can't hold back. She's like, you said this is really hard when you were holding my hand. And I thought that maybe a bad thing was about to happen. And that's like, he said, it's really hard because like, I haven't quite known what I wanted to do. Um, like I was like, are we making the right decision to date again? Like, is this really going to work out? But the more I saw you, the more I knew that I wanted to be with you. So I just wanted to tell you that I love you. That's actually why I came out to the Harrington house that night is because I knew you'd be there and I couldn't wait anymore to tell you. And Nancy's like, oh, uh, that's fantastic. And so the book ends with them making out, which you're like, hell yeah, it does. So my babies are back together, y'all. Um, 
yeah, at the end of this book, they're officially back together. There's no other point in the rest of the series where they're ever officially broken up again. It's only this arc, so that's fun. We're going to ignore everything that happened in books 72, 73, and 74, because fuck you, McDevlin. Um, oh my god. In every possible sense, except for the literal sense. Um, yeah. Some interesting stuff about this one. I love that, like, there's zero awareness on Nancy's part about Watergate. Um, which at this point would have happened 12 years earlier. Like, it would have happened within Nancy's lifespan. Like, she would have been a small child, but it would have happened while she was alive. (laughs) And she's like, a tape recorder? Who would have ever done this? And I do love that, like, the break-in was to cover up the fact that they were bugging her phone because they wanted to see how much she knew. And I was like, again with the Watergate. Like, oh my God. It's as though we didn't catch it the first time. We're going to circle back. Um, Yeah, so there's, like, zero awareness of that. And also the, like, the person who was having the tapes basically incriminating himself on tape and keeping said tapes. And I'm like, seriously, like, what the... What did he think they don't present him in a positive light like really really anyway so yeah there's that um the other thing that's interesting and again I don't really understand why Nancy did not invite Ned to like participate on this more it's kind of weird he participates a lot in other stuff um there's there's some cases where he's like dramatically like can't we just go make out somewhere? Which, he's echoing my feelings at all times. There is that. Um, The other thing from this one, which I think is interesting, Nancy being presented as, like, the person that you can project what you are onto so that you're like, I too can be like her because she's, she's just like you. She loves mysteries and she's insecure about her relationship. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, she's definitely relatable when it comes to Ned because she's very concerned in this book about, like, she, she's afraid to, they're both, honestly, in this book, afraid to make the first move, afraid to be the first person to put themselves out there for maybe to be hurt, for somebody to reject. I mean, it's, it's super cute because they're clearly just head over heels in love with each other, like, can't take their eyes off each other whenever they're around. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, she's, it's kind of weird. Like, there's that line where it's like, your your experiences are not universal, where, like, the whole, her father's a lawyer, the whole, like, she's got her Mustang on the cover of this book, because I did not mention last week's cover, which is fantastic. She is wearing, like, this black leather skirt and this red sweater, and she looks like she is here to slay. For the cover of this one, she's actually wearing this khaki safari suit that I'm 100% not here for because it is super unflattering on almost any body type. Her hair is being blown across her face so that it's kind of partially obscuring her forehead. And she looks like she's just overheard something shocking on a phone. Like that somebody has just ordered some really exotic sex toys. Um, The guy in the background is probably Todd Harrington because he's got like a campaign poster and then you've got like two cars that are next to each other that are trying to kind of jostle each other and one of them is an old old school Mustang I would say like even it looks kind of like classic Mustang just saying anyway so and she is actually wearing the khaki suit at one point in this which again it's a weird choice but okay um yeah like 
her experiences at once are deeply universal in that she's just shopping with her friends at the beginning of this thing and she just kind of stumbles into being the heroine. Um, she's got this person she's got the rivalry with. It's just that it happens to be an investigative reporter, Asterisk, Brenda Carlton, you're the worst. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to me because it's like, she's got, she's got all the concerns that you do. She's got all the problems that you imagine that she might have, but she's got far better resources than most of us can even dream about to deal with those problems. Like just holy shit. The most hilarious thing about this book, honestly, is that there are no cell phones for most of these characters, because um, Nancy's having to drop by Ned's house or call him, and again, like, if there's no answer and you don't have an answering machine set up, then you can hang it up, like, we're done, you can, you can post a note on their front door, <laughs> and that's about it, so yeah, um, but the weirdest thing is that, of course, like, the main suspect is the one who fires the shot at Todd Harrington that kind of kicks all this off, and that if Brenda had not been there to kind of demand that Nancy solve this murder like it probably would have gotten wouldn't have gotten done um Nancy at the end of it talks to Brenda and she's like so you tracked down Neil like you you did some actual work and Brenda's like so actually like a friend of a friend of my dad's knew knew him so that's how I got that and Nancy's like oh so you suck at all of this like it's basically all about connections and Carson was not of the right age really and didn't care enough really about what was going on which is kind of fascinating. But anyway, um, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen for the next season, for season five. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a fanfic interlude or if I'm going to go back to the original mystery stories. Probably the latter, honestly, but we'll see how it works out. So if you have preferences, feel free to let me know. You can go to my Twitter and you can just let me know whether you prefer it for me to talk about fanfic for ever. Actually, I would limit myself to five episodes, just like I've been doing for most seasons. Or if you want me to switch back to the mystery stories. Like I said, it's probably going to be the latter, but we'll see how it works out. So in the meantime, stay sleuthy, my friends.